Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This is the second of three episodes this week for our church-wide Breakthrough Series. This week, Brian Heasley from 24-7 Prayer is joining us. In this episode, we'll be exploring the art of perseverance through the lens of the Lord prayer. You'll see how the Lord's Prayer serves as both a model and a map for overcoming challenges. This episode is titled Perseverance. Man, you guys, you guys can be seated. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name's JC. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to tell you I'm so thankful that you're here. And I know Lord tells us through his word that when people seek him and when they seek him with everything they have, we will surely find him. And so tonight, I appreciate you. I just want to tell you, thank you for taking a step to seek the Lord. And we are here to hear his voice tonight. So thank you for being here. Man, give it up for the band. They did a great job tonight. Man, I'm so, so pumped to be here. I just want to tell you a couple things before I welcome up uh, Brian back up to the stage tonight, just a, a few things. Uh, just know we've got devotionals that we're working through with this series. As, as Brian spoke about this morning, as you're trying to establish a rhythm of spending time with God, those devotionals are a tool to help you do that intentionally. And so it's an opportunity for you. Those are always available on the web and the app. It's a great opportunity to just follow along for us to hear God together as a church is a sweet, sweet thing. Also wanna let you know, not only will we be meeting tonight, we'll be here tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. Uh, so uh, I hope that you get past your Monday blues at the office, okay? You need to come ready to roll tomorrow night, okay? I'm excited about that. Uh, and then as you are suffering through saying no to some food in your life, uh, we will be suffering here together every, every day this week, Monday through Friday from 12 to 1 in the chapel. We'd love it if you come and just join us uh, for a time of prayer and worship. Uh, some of you may be pleading with the Lord to take some hunger away, okay? And you'll join me in that. That'll be a great time. Uh, but I am so expectant. I'm so excited to see what God is going to do as we, as a church, we look to God and we say, God, this is what you say in your word. If we seek you diligently with all that's inside of us, God, you will not disappoint. And so we are asking God to do that very thing. And I'm thankful that you're joining us. Now, if you can, would you please welcome back to the stage, Brian Heasley for tonight's session. Guys, thank you for not leaving me hanging. And there's, there's more than two of you here, which is a, a blessing. Uh, and it's so wonderful to be with you this morning, and it's just a, a joy to be here this evening. So, yeah. I thought I'd do something. We, we have, as I mentioned this morning, we have this little app called Lectio 365, which we use to help people in their daily devotions. 
I'm just going to read a little bit from it just to help us just... It's been a wonderful time of worship. That was just so beautiful. And it really ties in with what I'm going to speak about. So I just, I just take a minute. I'd like you to close your eyes. I just want to read this little simple phrase. As I enter prayer now, as we enter your presence now, we pause to be still, to breathe slowly, and to recenter our scattered senses upon the presence of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. It's good just to take a moment sometimes, isn't it? I'm in this transitional period as an adult where I'm moving from do I need glasses, do I not need glasses? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've had them about six months, and so there's moments where I, they just feel weird, you know what I mean? And they make me, and they remind me that uh, I'm old. And someone told me earlier as well, someone in this crowd said that I sound like Ricky Gervais, which I was uh, slightly worried about. Uh, we have a couple of years, we, we, we have a work in Peru at the minute. Uh, 24-7 prayer planted in Cusco in Peru and we have the, the couple of the missionaries that are there they're staying in our home back in England and they've got two young girls and we had a meeting this week and some of my team came along to meet with, with them and one of them said how are you finding Brian and she said he's like our third granddad and I didn't know how to take that I was like I wanted to be their third uncle, you know what I mean? Not their third granddad. So I'm sitting in a kind of strange space in my life at age 53, on the cusp of new and wonderful things and the death of my knees at the same time. <laughs> well, it's good to be here. And uh, let's, read, let's read a scripture together. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I love in this that it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And I guess from, from my own background, being conformed to the pattern of this world was kind of like what we don't do, what we do do, all those kind of things that go on. You know, it's like what I say yes to, what I say no to. But can I just suggest to you that the patterns of this world are probably larger than we would imagine. It's the culture that we find ourselves in. Years ago, we introduced the X factor. I don't know if you have that here. But we learned how to judge people, how to say, I like him, I don't like him. There was like buttons on our Facebook pages. I have likes on my Instagram. There's, you know, we, we've, we, our culture is very much, do you understand? Jud it teaches us to judge, weirdly. When in James it says mercy triumphs over judgment, our culture says learn to judge. And you know, I found myself watching Strictly Come Dancing. Has anyone else seen that? It's a dancing show. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking he's not pointing his toe enough. And I'm like, I know nothing, absolutely nothing about dancing. And I've become a judge on the best ballroom dancing in England. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. And if you, before you know it, culture 
creeps in and it starts to affect us. You'll get things like this. Someone will go to church. I had someone come to me in a, after a church meeting and they said, I didn't get anything out of the worship this morning. And I was like, good, we weren't worshiping you. Come on. The minute you start going to church and thinking about, oh, I like that song, I don't like that song, you know, you've become a consumer. It, it, it happens. Culture creeps in. I didn't get anything out of the worship this morning. It wasn't about you. <laughs> we were worshiping God. You know, so this is interesting. You, you understand? It's, so when Paul says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, it's so much more than a few like do's and don'ts. It, our thinking becomes transformed. And I've noticed something else about our culture is that it's immediate. It's immediate. We live in a culture of immediacy, where by if I want to fly to New York, I could get my phone out, I could book, well, first of all, I could borrow some money, I could book a flight, <laughs> I could, you know, and tomorrow morning I could be in New York, boom, done. Uh, when I was young, if you wanted to turn the television over, you told one of your children to get up and turn it over. Now we have buttons, you know, and it, or I'm on, I'm on my laptop and the photographs aren't loading quickly and I want to throw it against the wall. I don't have anger issues. I just get frustrated with the speed of... Do you, do you understand? Like I was on the plane on the way out here and slightly frustrated at the internet that wasn't good on the plane. Now, we are talking about the miracle of flight. Do you know what I mean? I have left the ground. A hundred years ago, people weren't even doing that. And I'm there complaining that the Wi-Fi's slow. Do you understand? We, we live in a culture of immediacy. If we want it, we can get it. And we can get it quickly. And actually, that creeps into our church culture. We want it quickly. We need it quickly. And I really believe that we need to learn the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Why don't you call it the power of uh, perseverance or the discipline of perseverance? Well, the longer I go on in my Christian faith, I think it's the art of perseverance because I think it's beautiful. I think perseverance is a beautiful thing and it's a wonderful thing. And so we will call it the art of perseverance. And I believe that if we are going to see breakthrough in our lives, if we're going to see breakthrough in our families' lives and the area in which God has placed us in the world which we are, we are, we have to learn to persevere. And the problem with that is that our culture tells us, no, you can get it quickly. You can get it quickly. But we have to learn to persevere. When I was young, I, uh, and I'll tell you a story. I'm a bit conscious about the timing because that clock's just stuck on 30 and I don't want to stay there forever. So, uh, but, so I'm just trying to work out how long I've been going. I don't want to overdo this, sorry. Uh, the, the time we moved to England as a family was beautiful. My dad was a pastor. I've got four brothers and we all moved to England and my mother was there. Two years into our move into the United Kingdom, my mother passed away from ovarian cancer. So I was 11 years old. That was 41 years ago. And don't, whatever they tell you, it still, you know, still gets you. She was a Christian. She loved Jesus. She's gone to be with him. I'll see her again. Okay. We believe in eternal life. It's a beautiful thing. And so when that happened, we as a family, we were, went into tailspin. 
had an incredibly difficult childhood. I was 11 years old. I was having this kind of challenge between his God, you know, God, basically, God, you killed my mum, if I'm honest. That's how I felt. So I became angry. And my brothers became angry and we became disappointed and we struggled and we went to church and we liked church and we found something in it and there was worship and we felt God was there and there were friends there. But at the same time, we were angry and we kind of, we started getting involved in other things. And I started to live this kind of almost, as it were, double life. One where on, you know, the weekends I'd be going out with my friends, drinking beer and doing stuff. And then on Sunday, I'd be at church and I was kind of in this sort of world I was stuck in where I was kind of like toing and froing, as it were, between the two. And it's easier to be pulled down than it is to be pulled up. And so in the end, I, I, I became homeless. I was selling drugs. I was a really bad drug dealer. I was like rubbish at it, which is good. Uh, but uh, and I ended up, you know, I know you can't picture me doing this now, but it, it did happen. And uh, I, I became homeless. I was living on the streets, living in a car. Uh, with my friend, we had this little old car we lived in, and you know my life went really, really badly wrong. Uh, I ended up eventually going to prison, so I went to prison four times for for fighting and for robbing and for generally not quite processing my anger in the way that one should process anger. And I ended up broken. By the time I was twenty, I was a mess, absolute mess. And all the time. My father prayed for me, and he persevered. Here's the really interesting thing. When I, when I first went to prison, so I, this was, I was 18, so I was very young, went to prison. I didn't speak like I do now. I was a little bit less refined. I went to prison, and uh, I get put in a cell you know, because it's not an optional, you can't choose or anything. And it's my first, I like to joke sometimes, it's my first cell group. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't quite work all the time. And I got put into this room with this guy, and he said to me, this is amazing, he went, uh, I've just become a Christian, do you know anything about God? I was like, what? I'm trying to get away from God. Do you know what I mean? I grew up in a Christian home. My, my dad, you know, taught, when I was young, my dad taught me New Testament Greek because he thought, I quote, it will be helpful, you know, <laughs> after dinner. You know what I mean? You'd have friends around and he'd be like, no, no, come on, boys. You can't go and play football. We're going to go and do alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, eta, zeta, vita, iota. That's the Greek alphabet. You know, and so, you, you, <laughs> and so I'd grown up with this kind of like memorization of scripture, all this kind of stuff. And here, and, and I'm trying to get away from that. I'm, I'm like, God, I'm done with you. And all of a sudden, I'm locked in a room with a seeker <laughs> who wants to ask. And the minute he knew, he's like, oh yeah, tell me, what does this mean? What does that mean? And I'm like, oh my goodness. And like you say, you're in a cell. You can't get away. So, and then I get a probation officer. You know, probation officers, they help you. They talk to you. They listen to you. And she was a Christian. I was like, What? And then I got a legal aid solicitor. We didn't have money to get a solicitor. You just get the one the government gives you. I don't know how it works here. So I, he's a Christian. So I've got this Christian solicitor, Christian probation officer, guy in my cell bugging the life out of me, asking me Bible questions every two seconds. And it was like God haunted me. Honestly. I remember I, I got out, of, I went four times. So I got out of prison, I breached my bail conditions and I had to go back to prison. I remember being in a holding cell in a police station. 
Is this too much detail for you guys, by the way? No. Okay, I remember being in a holding cell in a police station, and my probation officer came in, she looked at me, and she was like, she'd given up, you know, because I was, and she's a Christian. And she had a Bible in her hand, and she threw it at me, and it hit me on the chest, and she went, and she went to me, you should read that, and then walked out. And that's the last I ever saw her. It's like, I'm pretty sure it's not in the textbook, you know, as the, the things you're meant to do. And, but can I just say, the whole time my dad was praying for me, and he would come and visit me in prison, I would not let on. Do you understand? I would not let on. I'd be like, yeah, I'm okay. I wouldn't say, Mitchell's driving me mad with his exegesis on John 1. Do you know what I mean? Or anything that's the guy I was in with. You know, there's none of that. And all the time my dad prayed. And he kept praying. And then one day, I, I was in the probation hostel. I'd got out of prison and I was reading I, the Bible that the person had thrown at me. I was reading it. Because <laughs> in the end, you know. And I came to Isaiah 59 and I was crying. I was quite emotional. And I said, God, if you're real, could you save me? Turned on to Isaiah 59. And it said this, Isaiah 59 verse 1, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor is his ear too dull to hear. And I thought, and it was like a light came on in that room. I put my hand up, gave my life back to Jesus. That was a long time ago. It's okay. And I don't really tell this story much. It's not the one, um, I, I didn't ever want to become, you know the guy, the testimony guy? I don't know why, I just didn't want to be that guy. I just felt there's more. You don't want to be defined by five minutes of madness outside a pub on a Saturday night that end up, you know. I'm not, that's not who I am. I'm not an ex-con, I'm a son of God. Okay? Don't let other people define you. And so my dad, he had prayed, persevered. And all of a sudden, God had stepped in and my life was transformed, age 21. Here I am, age 53, knowing that God is good and God makes a transformation in people's lives. Here's another interesting part, is that at the same time, my older brother, he had his own struggles and his own battles with the death of my mother. It took him a long time. And he, you know, mental health problems, lots of challenges, a couple of divorces, you know, all sorts of things like that went on. And uh, 30 years later, he gave his life to Jesus. 30 years. And I remember saying to my dad, oh, isn't it great when brothers come back to Jesus? And my dad said this. He said, I've prayed for him every single day. Every single day. I'm not going to make you stand up, so don't worry about this. If you're 30 or under, could you put your hand up? Right? Okay, longer than you have been alive, he prayed and nothing happened. Longer than you have been alive, he prayed, and nothing happened. And then one day, something happened. We need to learn to practice the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. It's that sense of keeping on, keeping on, overcoming Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. We need to become distinguished 
in our prayers, where we just don't give up. Genesis 32, verse 26, when Jacob wrestles with the angel, this happens. He says, I will not let go unless you bless me. He wrestled through the night. And what's fantastic about that is that he gets a name change and he ends up walking differently. Everyone knew it was him from then on in. He gets a name change. And do you know what happens when we learn to persevere? God does something in our identity. God changes us. You can tell the people who have persevered. God does something deep in the people who persevere. And you know what else happens? We walk differently. You start to notice there's a faithfulness that comes upon people as they persevere. So Jacob wrestled with the angel and he said, I will not let go until you bless me. And it's a classic verse. Our identity and our walk will change if we persist. You see, because behind every history that you see, there is always a secret history. Can I just say that again? Behind every history that you see, there is always a secret history. Every great revival you've ever seen, someone prayed. When the Hebridean revival broke out in Scotland, two little old ladies had been praying for months and months and months. And everyone talks about the great leaders of that revival. Can I tell you, it happened because these ladies prayed. Behind every history we see, there's always a secret history. I'm going to need to blow my nose because I just had a little cry there. So, dreadful when oh, That was good. He turned the mic down for that and everything. That's, thank you. <laughs> Pedro's excellent. Thank you so much. That's a, that's a sensitive mic guy right there. So, yeah. And so we, behind every history, there's a, a secret history. We, we led a work in Ibiza in Spain for eight years. My wife and I, we went and lived in Spain with our two sons, and we used to work with all sorts of people, uh, people who were, you know, into party culture and into all sorts of different things. And, and uh, we had a friend of ours, he, he was a DJ, and uh, he became friends with us. He used to come around our home. He'd play with our kids. He was, you know, we, we got to know him. And eventually he gave his life to Jesus. And he's, and he's actually lives in America. And he's married and he's really happy now. And we had this beautiful moment where we took him to the beach. It's always cool to do baptisms in the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, just saying, it was the best. And we took him, and the light was great, and we took these photographs, and he went in, and as he come up, someone took a photograph, and it was like, you know, one of those Timothy adverts with all the sparkling water flashing, and, you know, it's just, and I, I'd managed to lose a few pounds, and we kind of looked brilliant in this kind of baptismal photo. And it wasn't really about, I'm making it sound like it was all about the aesthetic, but it wasn't. And people, you know, people put that online. People say, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful what's happening? Isn't it wonderful what's happened with Chris? Isn't it amazing that God has done that? But can I just say that he was a 37-year-old man whose mother was a Christian and she prayed for him every day of her life. Behind every history we see, there is always a secret history. We're getting some glory for doing a great work in Ibiza, leading a DJ to Jesus and baptizing him in the Mediterranean Sea. Somewhere in Scotland, there's a little lady praying that God would touch her son. And God did it because she did not give up. She did not let go. For our generation to thrive and survive, we need to learn to keep praying and not give up. To see breakthrough, we need to learn to keep praying and not give up. When we fast, we're not just saying no to something, we're saying yes to something. 
Every time I say no to food, I'm saying yes to God. I'm saying yes to your way. Every time I say no to that snack that I'm tempted to have, I'm saying, I'm saying no, God, because I believe you're more important. I believe that you are the answer. I believe that I will see breakthrough if I cling on to you. I believe that I'm going to keep knocking and I'm going to keep knocking and I'm going to keep asking and I'm going to keep asking and I'm going to keep seeking and I'm going to keep seeking until we see transformation in our lifetime. Okay, and that's what we do. It's, a, it's a, the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Do not be conformed to the pattern of immediacy in our prayer times. You know, you will achieve real depth when you persevere. Now, can I just say, every time I pray, I'm expecting God to do something immediately. Okay, I'm just saying. We need to, because we need to live with faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It says this in Hebrews. So, you know, we live by faith, not by sight. So what I see is, you know, uh, something that's not right, but I live by faith. So I do believe that we should be always ushering in and calling out to God that he would do something suddenly. You know, even though sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, you know, there's, when the children of Israel finally got set free, they'd been there for 400 years in Egypt. There were people who prayed that God would set them free that didn't live to see it. But every time you pray, something happens. And, and I, don't, I don't know, there's a faithfulness that goes with that that says, God, is this the year? Come and set us free. God, is this the year? Come and set us free. And it doesn't happen. And someone kept going. And God heard the cries of the Israelite and he turned his ears towards them and he set them free. He set them free. <laughs> the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. It didn't look like the miracle was going to happen, but after 400 years of travail, of sorrow, pain, and perseverance, in one moment, Moses raises his staff and they walk through the sea. <laughs> it's amazing. You see, because this is what I believe. One person's suddenly is another person's constantly. One person's suddenly is another person's constantly. I'm sitting in a probation hostel. I'm reading a Bible. Boom, Isaiah 59 hits me like a spiritual brick. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I break down in tears and I rededicate my life to Jesus. It's a suddenly moment that comes off the back of my dad's constantly praying. My brother gives his life back to Jesus in a moment of desperation. And it's amazing and we're all really happy and it's wonderful. And it's a suddenly moment, but it comes from constantly. The children of Israel, the sea parts and it's a suddenly moment, but it comes from constantly. You know, Romans 8, Paul says this. First, I thank my God. Romans 1, sorry, first 8 to 10. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel, is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers. He constantly remembered the Roman church in his prayers and they saw breakthrough. They saw amazing things. They didn't have an easy time, but he constantly prayed. 2 Thessalonians, with this in mind, 2 Thessalonians 1 to 11, verse 11, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. The apostle Paul prayed for people constantly, and in his constant praying, Suddenly, 
things happen. So we need to be the people of the constantly because I'm living for the suddenly. I want to constantly keep knocking. I want to keep praying. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to have the tenacity to believe that God is a God who intervenes and transforms. And if I don't see it today, I believe he's going to do it tomorrow. And I'm going to keep going. 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 Because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. He's called you and I to be the people who persevere, who keep going. (laughs) And I'll give you a couple of tips to help you, if that's all right, with the perseverance stuff, because it's not always easy. I can get you all pumped up with a good old preach, you know. I like a little, I become slightly more Pentecostal as I've got older. Do you know what I mean? I kind of like... I guess as you get older, you just don't care as much. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I don't know. And does this jumper make me look fat? I don't care. It's comfortable. <laughs> you know, I told my son the other day, should buy a jumper like this. It's cashmere. It's soft. It feels nice. That's, you know you've, be got, you've become old when you buy clothes because they feel nice. You know, not because they look nice. Anyway, moving on. I, don't go all Ricky Gervais, Brian. Uh, I believe that the Lord's Prayer will really help you in persevering. It's a really beautiful thing for each one of us. It is both a model and a map that will help you to pray. And I, we as a team, 24-7 prayer, we, as I said this morning, we've seen prayer rooms in 77 different nations last year, 1,764 prayer rooms in all sorts of places. We've seen prayer rooms in prisons, prayer rooms in school. We run a thing called prayer spaces in schools in the United Kingdom. We've seen a million young people go for a prayer space in schools in the United Kingdom. We've had prayer rooms on battleships. We even had a prayer room in a brewery in Missouri. I loved it because it rhymed and it preaches so well. But I mean, they were praying that God would break in. We've seen prayer rooms everywhere. And so it's an amazing thing, you know, just to see people saying, I'm going to, this is what 24-7 prayer is. We set up a prayer room and we say, we're going to give ourselves no rest and we're going to keep praying. And we've seen this happen. But as a team, what we do is every day, every day, we say the Lord's Prayer together at noon. We set an alarm clock. And not an alarm clock, it's a phone these days, isn't it? It's not like, anyway, uh, you knew that. And so, you know, we set an alarm and we pray every day that the Lord's Prayer. And it's a beautiful model and a map to help us persevere. Uh, there was a, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, To this day I am still nursing myself on the Lord's Prayer like a child. And I'm still eating and drinking of it like an old man without getting bored of it. There's so much depth and richness in it. A guy called N.T. Wright said, The Lord's Prayer correctly understood is one of the high roads into the central mystery of Christian salvation and Christian experience. Sorry, I didn't put that one up there. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, This then is how you should pray. Here's your, here's your guide for perseverance. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you know that the uh, Jesus, this is a, someone heard this prayed in Arabic, in uh, Aramaic. And it's a meticulous, memorable, rhyming prototype. Ancient Aramaic, the Lord's Prayer, it rhymes. It has a rhythm to it so that you can remember it really easy. Uh, The Lord's Prayer are words we can actually say. When we repeat the Lord's words and the Lord's Prayer, it's like we're doing it with billions of other people. The prayer was given by Jesus and can be used in two distinct ways. 
Each phrase of the Lord's Prayer becomes an invitation for us, right, to embark upon our own personal adventures of adoration, petition, intercession, confession, spiritual warfare. The Lord's Prayer is this beautiful model that will help each one of us. It was traditional, like for rabbinic, Jesus had a rabbinic band. He was, had a group of people who were following him. And John the Baptist followers, they, they were, you know, they were, John was their rabbi, as it were. And they, when, when the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, they added, just as John taught his disciples. Every, all these kind of rabbis almost had these kind of creeds, these little statements this way. It's like almost saying, give us a statement of faith. And and Jesus says to them, this is how to do it. Pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Uh, It was uh, one great Scottish commentator said, it's like your name, your will, your kingdom. There's too much where it's about our name, our will, and our kingdom. And it starts very interestingly. It points us towards God. It interrupts our relentless busyness. And it reminds us to pause and put first things first. It's an easy thing to memorize. I just would really want to encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. And to, when you say, Lord, forgive us our sins, to take a moment, think about your sins. When you say, Lord, lead me not into temptation, to think about what you're being tempted by. Give us our daily bread. What's your daily bread? What would feed you? What would feed me would be my two sons growing up to be men of God. That would feed me. So I'll pause and say, God, give me my daily bread. Give me my sons for Jesus. What is it that you're calling out for? R.C. Ryle said this, it's far more easy to begin a habit of prayer than to keep it up. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's like a New Year's resolution, isn't it? (laughs) Thousands take up a habit of praying for a little season after some special mercy or a special affliction. And then little by little, they become cold about it and at last lay it aside. Let us resist this feeling whenever we feel it rising within us. Let us resolve by God's grace that that however poor and feeble our prayers may seem to be, we will pray on. Can I just say, God's not relying on your intensity. He's intense enough. We are relying on God's intensity, not our own. As I said, I've become more Pentecostal. I've become more you know, charismatic in how I feel. But shouting at God doesn't make it any more different than whispering to God. He's like, the God I know is not hard of hearing. Okay? So he'll hear your whisper. He'll hear your sob into a pillow at night. He will be there. When you're lying there and those thoughts are running through your mind and they're out of control and the anxiety is biting, the depression's kicking in, he hears it in a whispered cry. Sometimes you may not even have the words, but we need to persevere in crying out to him. And he comes and he meets us. So it's not about our intensity. It's about God's intensity. We just have to build in some regular habits and patterns that will help us prayer. Clearly it's important that we don't recite the Lord's Prayer kind of out of, like, we don't treat it superstitiously and we don't kind of just become like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, kingdom come, you will be done. You know? But we use it to help each one of us pray. <laughs> it's a map. The Lord's Prayer kind of helps you. It shows you what to do. Many people find prayer difficult. We get distracted. I don't know, do you ever get distracted? 
Oh my goodness. I'm just going to take you down a road here. I was like, the other day I was reading Romans, Romans 12. It's beautiful, beautiful piece of the Bible, isn't it? Have you ever read Romans 12? It's, it's like Paul saying, this then is how we should live. And I'm thinking about Romans and I'm reading this beautiful, I'm on my chair, it's in the morning, it's prayerful, it's quiet. I'm like, Romans 12, amazing. I've never been to Rome. I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, our friends, they went to Rome on holiday. They were telling me about this restaurant they went to and they had pasta, pa- pasta, however you say it. They had spaghetti and uh, and oh yeah, we've got some pasta in the fridge. And I was thinking, oh, maybe we could have that for dinner this evening. And then I'm thinking, oh, but we had pasta at Tracy's mum and dad's for dinner on Sunday, and it was lovely. Oh, that reminds me, Tracy's mum wants me to take around the pressure washer so I can wash her drive. Why is she always borrowing my pressure washer? Maybe I should buy her a pressure washer for Christmas. (laughs) It's only March, but I'll start looking. And before you know it, I've gone from my meditation on Romans to looking on eBay for cheap pressure washers. Now, is, is that just me, or does that happen to us all? Exactly. And so the Lord's Prayer stops us and helps us not to be distracted. It's a guide, it's a map that helps us keep going. Because before you know it, what, I don't even need a phone to distract me. Just what goes on in my head is enough. You know, so people are like, oh, phones are a distraction. Do you want to climb in my brain and see what's going on? Do you know what I mean? It's true. So when the Lord's Prayer helps us, you're so, I love being here, by the way, because you guys are so warm. My problem is I get caught up in, my wife says, you mustn't judge a talk by how many laughs you get. But this, anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Brian. It's three minutes, 47 to the end. So, you know. <laughs> But it just teaches us, it, it helps us to, I feel I'm not really covering it deeply enough for you, but I would like you to look deeper into the Lord's Prayer. The first two words, our Father, they prompt us to pause and pray for our families, you know. Father is a term of intimacy. God is close to you. God is close. Just to even, imagine if you just thought about this, our Father, just that for a week. Jesus did not pray, O boundless and almighty, omniscient creator beyond the dominion of time and space. He said, our Father. This was a new concept. Really new. The the Jewish believers believed that God's name could not be spoken. The unpronounceable name. In fact, one uh, David Jeremiah says this, the writers of the Old Testament had a much different concept of their relationship to God than we do today. When the scribes who copied the Old Testament scriptures wrote the word for God, Yahweh, they would throw away the pen, never to use it again. They reasoned that once it had written the word Yahweh, the pen was disqualified to write anything else. And then Jesus steps in and says, our Father, our Father. And so when we persevere, when we pray, we come to our Father. Hallowed be your name. Do you know what that is? It's an invitation to worship. Let your kingdom come is an opportunity to request help for the particular people, places, and situations on our hearts. Give us today our daily bread invites us to pray about our most practical needs. Forgive us our sins is a challenge to name the ways in which we have sinned. It helps each one of us to grow in our perseverance and to keep going, to not give up. And so 
My encouragement to you tonight would be to remember to practice the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. To be committed to constantly because your constantly will lead to someone else's suddenly. And to learn to integrate the Lord's Prayer into your everyday life so that on a regular basis you turn to him and you remember at least this one thing, he is your father. He is your father. Now, I know for some that can be difficult, especially if we had challenging relationships with our own parents. I'm aware of that. But he is your perfect father. Perfect father. And he's looking for a people who will persevere, who will hold on to him and say, I will not let go until you bless me. And I don't know where you're at tonight. I'm a visitor here and I don't want to challenge you too much. I want you to leave here feeling encouraged and built up. But I just wondered tonight if you were persevering for anybody, if there was a family member that you were praying for, if there was a husband that you wanted to see come back to Jesus, if there was a son or a daughter who were wandering away. and I don't mean this in an egotistical way at all, but I want you to look at me a slightly overweight Englishman who was born in Ireland who once used to live in a car and sell drugs really badly for a living and went to prison four times. And someone prayed and it looked beyond hope. And here I stand before you today, healed, happy, children, wife, all of that. But more than that, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. So... Yeah. So <laughs> God can do it. God can do it. He's looking for us to practice the art of perseverance because he can do it. He can change lives, transform people. And so tonight if you have someone who you're praying for, who you want to see transformed, I'm going to ask you to do something really simple. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and I'm just going to pray a prayer. Is that okay? If you feel that that's for you, <laughs> guys, yeah. Yeah. Picture that person right now. Just picture them. Put them in your mind. And I'm going to pray for suddenly. But let's remember, it may take a little bit of our constantly. So Father, right now, I pray for this beautiful congregation of your family based here. Lord, that you would fill every single one of them with a spirit of perseverance to keep going, to run and to not give up, to knock and to keep knocking. Father, we ask right now for the sons and for the daughters that have walked away from you. We pray that tonight we would start to see some suddenlies. Father, we pray for the husbands who have walked away from you. We pray for suddenlies. Father, we pray for the illnesses that have bugged and held on for too long. We pray for some suddenlies. But we're going to be a constantly people. We're going to keep knocking. So God, I pray right now that you would fill us with a spirit of perseverance. As we enter into a season where we're calling out for breakthrough, I pray for each one of us that you would come and that you would fill us with a counter-cultural idea that we are the people who persevere. We will give you no rest until we see your kingdom come in our lives, in the lives of our family and in the towns and cities we inhabit. 
Come Lord Jesus, fill this church with an overwhelming sense of perseverance and constantly in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thanks for that word, Brian. Let's thank him one more time for just his faithfulness. And I have to confess to you, I was a little frustrated at him earlier. I was letting him into a deep part of my life, the Cowboys game. And I turned it off, and we were getting killed 28 to nothing. And this is what he says to me in my moment of weakness Brian, it's just a game. So I thank you for your deep sensitivity. But I, I, I just felt like as, as Brian was speaking, there's a couple things I wanted to say. First, how many of you just want to see breakthrough out in our culture and our world? Okay. I have some good news and some bad news for you. I really believe God will bring breakthrough out there, but I really believe breakthrough doesn't start out there. It starts in here. So I'm just going to ask you for a second right where you are. Where do you really need breakthrough? Like in your life, where do you want to see God break through? Because you can get so familiar with God that you come to church and then you sort of do your rhythms. And if you're anything like me, you ever find yourself just more tied to the things of this world? And sometimes what you need is a breakthrough of passion in your life. I'll never forget what one writer said. He said, sometimes we need the entertainment of the world when we lost the joy of the Lord. And for years, I thought as I was growing up, like, you know, as you get older, you get wisdom. But when you're young, you get passion. And so you sort of grow out of passion. But isn't it funny that sometimes when you, when you see kids or you see people worshiping, you just think that they've got something. They, they have some sort of breakthrough on their world. So I'm just asking this question. Maybe it's a breakthrough of passion. Maybe it's some struggle in your life. Like, I just, I really, I really believe this church. You do not have to grind it out for the next 10 or 20 years of your life. There really is breakthrough. And if you're going to persevere with whatever that thing is in your life, like, just, just for, just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes before we jump out of here. We're going to close the worship song, but I just, I want you to picture, like, what is it that you really want? Like, remember when, when God asked Solomon, what do you want? Like if God were to ask you right now in your heart, what do you want? Where do you want breakthrough? What, where would that be? Would it be for a child? Would it be for some passion? Would it be for a boldness? Would it be for a purpose? Would it be for healing? Would it be for joy? Because there is so much anxiety and worry that fills your mind. Where do you want breakthrough? Picture that in your mind. And then I just want to read this over you because I believe the only way you will persevere and find breakthrough is what I'm about to read right here. It's John chapter 6, this is what it says. It's when Jesus walks on water. It says, a strong wind in verse 18 was blowing and the waters grew rough. And in Mark's version, it says the disciples began to struggle as they were rowing. And it says in verse 19, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching, walking on water. They were frightened, but he said to him, it is I, do not be afraid. Did you ever notice this phrase, verse 21? Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And notice this phrase. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. 
There are two ways to try to get breakthrough in your life. One is like the disciples where you are grabbing the oars of your life and you are straining and you are straining and you are straining and I'm just here to tell you, your strength will run out. What's interesting is this sea they were almost about eight miles. So they're in the middle of their storm, if you will. Their strength is running low and you can just see they're straining. But then what happens is, you ever notice this phrase again? Then they were willing to take him into the boat. They're willing. Can I just say that some of us will never experience breakthrough because we are not willing to surrender and get honest. We're so used to striving in our own power and our own strength. When have you got honest about the condition of your heart? I'm convinced of this. God will heal anything. The thing he tends not to hide or heal is people who hide for whatever reason. And so what is in your life that you are straining and striving? And where might you just simply lay down the oars of your life and invite Jesus in the boat? I just had this. Breakthrough has this gritty determination to it. But I sat on this chair in the first song, and I just felt like Jesus was saying, I don't want to just give people a gritty breakthrough. I want to give them a joy in their breakthrough. Joy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in joy. Soon as Jesus got in the boat, notice what it says. They got immediately to the other side. And I just got to say a word for you that some of you might not like. I believe, like Jonah, some of you, the way that you will get to the other side of the shore is he's not going to deliver you from the belly of the whale. He's going to deliver you in the belly of the whale. I love when Jesus changed my circumstances, but here's the deal. Oftentimes he wants to change me in those circumstances. Some of you, breakthrough will be, you will find exactly what it is that you're asking for. Some of you, as you seek God this week, what the enemy wants to bind you from is he wants you so focused on all this stuff and the straining that he wants you to miss who's in the boat with you today. So when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're stressed and anxious, remember who's in the boat. You don't strain and strive. When you keep looking at those things you shouldn't, you don't strain and strive, you remember who's in the boat with you. When you feel like there is no hope because the prodigal son isn't returning, you don't keep straining and striving. You remember who's in the boat with you. When you've got that eating disorder and those things that are taking overwhelming thoughts in your mind, you don't keep straining or striving or striving breathing mechanisms. You remind yourself that Jesus Christ is in the boat with you. Not the boat of Brookwood, not the boat of the world, but your boat. He's in your boat. And so I just invite you as we sing this song, I want you to worship just with a spirit of joy, even if you're in the middle of stress or anxiety, because you have a surrender that creates joy. Because when you're holding on to the oars, it's pressure, it's weight, it's determination, it's grit. But when you realize your single job is to invite him into your boat, that creates freedom. Because you've got a grave robbing, water walking, death defying God. Amen. And so what I'm asking you to do is we sing this song. Here's what we're going to do. Some of you just need to worship. And you are, you are heavy in your soul for some of the things the prodigal son. And I'm going to invite you just to have a spirit of worship, a posture of joy. Maybe for some of you, it's raising your hands for the first time. I'm going to ask as well, we have some people that love to pray. And so uh, I'm going to ask some of our prayer team to come up front right now. And if you just feel like even as God is putting something in your heart, maybe there's an increased joy he wants to give you. I invite you just to come down here and let some people pray over you. And if God's stirring something in you and you just know that part of breakthrough is just being obedient and even little things like coming down to pray is big for you, it doesn't matter if you're in the center of the aisle, just walk out. Let people pray for you.
But as we close out, what I want you to do is every one of you, um, even those of you in the cheap seats, all right, up there, I want you just to worship and think about the songs you sing that he is the God who is with James. He's, who's, he's the God who's in the boat of John. He's the God who's in the boat of Michelle. He's in the boat of Steve. He's in the boat of David. He's in the boat of Will. He's the God of the masses. He's the God of the individual. Church, breakthrough happens when you see that. So as we worship, yes, God, bring breakthrough. But may that breakthrough come with freedom and joy because we realize in this space you are there. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you that even as we sit here, there is a thin place where heaven and earth sort of join together. Where peace becomes more than a concept and joy becomes more than a concept and power becomes more than a concept and love becomes more than a concept. Because we know that you are in this place. So Jesus, I just pray for people who are burdened and weighted down. God, I don't just pray that you'd give them peace. I pray you'd give them joy that makes no sense. I think about the early church that were dying and being persecuted and yet they were forgiving and they had joy and the Roman culture couldn't figure out what's going on. And it's because that church knew that you were in their boat that anxiety and death and finances and worry and fear and stress and boredom that we think is cured by another night out or scrolling on a screen or another fun weekend that numbs the noise that's in our head, God. a joy that I pray would begin to break through in my life and in this church's life so that people would see us and go, where does that come from? And we would just simply say, it's from the God who's in our boat. So God, I just pray as we sing these songs, I'm praying that you would give us spiritual eyes to sing tonight the next five or ten minutes to get lost in your presence and remember that you are the God of the masses. You are, but you are the God of the individual today. And may that create a newfound joy in life as we worship you. So Jesus, we just pray that your name would be exalted and we pray as we worship you that you'd be honored. We are grateful that you joined us for today's bonus episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. There is a daily devotional companion for Breakthrough this week. This will help you spend time with God every day. You can find the daily devotional on the Brookwood Church app. Be sure to listen for the third bonus episode dropping this week for Breakthrough, a challenge for us to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ through intentional times of fasting and prayer. We'll see you then.